here's the question. I'm looking for a response. There's, we're talking about hope. And I said that that's one of those four. God changes your language when you've accepted him as your personal Savior. And there's certain words that you use before Christ that you don't use after Christ. And there are certain words that become so important to you after Christ that you didn't know about before before Christ. And the cross changed a lot of words in the Bible. And not only does he give you a new mouth, a new tongue when you trust him, he also he changed the vocabulary of the Bible with his death on the cross and, and his resurrection. And so I'd like to hear from you, I'd like some response, what your what word, when you hear about it, in your relationship with Christ, is a word that means a lot to you. So, what's that? Faith. Faith. Awesome. Commitment. Commitment. Okay. Peace. Trust. Trust. Love. Love. Grace. Grace. What's that? Eight. Okay. Okay. I, uh, mercy. Faithfulness. Security. Ooh. Peace. Grace. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, we could say it more than once. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Some amazing words. That we have, and they mean a lot to us. We're talk, talking about hope. And I hope, I, and I'm trying to use the word properly. It's my desire that eternal hope means a lot to you. It's that when, when life gets rough, you know that you've got hope. One of the things I think about is we talked about last week that that if you look on a lot of literature that our church has floating around, and I understand this, that's the influence of Pastor Baker. It's a good influence. It shaped me a lot into the man that I am today. Is Titus 2.13 about the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. You'll see that verse around our church a lot. And that had a lot to do with his influence. And last week we, we left off talking about how um, there is a lie being spread around that the millennial kingdom is allegorical or that the idea that it is not a literal thousand year kingdom, but Jesus Christ is going to use the church as his method of bringing about this, this millennial kingdom and the reign of Christ, and the reign of Christ will be uh, put on the backs of the churches. Well, the truth is, is when you're in the church, you're going to face trials and tribulation and persecution. And, and as a matter of fact, you read the Bible, persecution is something that, that a Christian needs to be ready to face. And the truth is, is that, Jesus, um, their lie 
is that Jesus Christ is not going to make this world better. That he is going, uh, uh, that, excuse me, their lie is, is not that um, Jesus Christ is going to make the world better, but the church is going to take to, to make the world better. Well, the truth is, is that Jesus Christ is going to take the church out of the world, and it's he himself who is going to step down here, and he is going to set up his kingdom on the world. So let's look at some verses about our eternal hope in Christ. The first one being 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 13 it says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who, fought, who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. If I, if I were to think about it, um, without Christ, my best days are behind me. And that's the same for probably most of you in this room. Our youth is gone. Jobs have come along. And uh, aches and pains come with them. And the best days of this earthly life are behind us. And those who don't know Christ, they don't have any hope for tomorrow. And um, I, and being at a number of, going to a number of funerals, when we're here in this room, when we have a funeral for someone who knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, it's a celebration because they're in heaven. And it's a totally different experience from top to bottom. Than, than if you go to a funeral or if you perform a funeral of someone that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. It's a totally different experience because they're missing that hope. And, and for me, here I am, and I know that my best days are in front of me. Not just that they're in front of me, but they're up. And, and I, I'm so excited about that hope that I have, that, that Christ is my hope. This morning in our sword, our sword drill that we had this morning before Sunday school, we read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I know I've said that too many times today, 1 Corinthians 15. But it's the resurrection chapter, and we have hope of a resurrection. 
hope of resurrection in Christ. And I love this verse. It says there, Behold, I tell you mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. That's what I was just talking about, right? The sting that comes with death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we sing songs like, My hope is built in nothing less than... It's true, right? He's the source of your hope. And you can count on that each and every day. Let's look in Philippians chapter 1 to see to, to kind of back up. It's... Uh, I mean, we love that song. My hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. But if a, a song is just a song, unless you can have some scripture to back it up. And it's just words, unless you have some foundation for it. And so let's look at Philippians chapter 1, and verses 20 to 23, where it says, According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Neither to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I know who holds my tomorrow, and I'm okay with that. So if tomorrow, if tonight, if God says, hey, Scott, you're done, you're finished. Hallelujah, I'm going to heaven. But if God says, hey, Scott, tomorrow, you're going you're gonna to serve me. I've got the grace of God, and I got, I've got hope in Christ that he's going to carry me through whatever tomorrow brings. And that's okay. And so strange. You talk to people who don't know Christ. And the trials and tribulations of this life can just overwhelm them with anxiety. 
it's a nice feeling to know that whatever tomorrow's got, whatever you have for tomorrow, you know it's in the hands of the Lord. And you can just bring them, bring your cares, your burdens, your, and leave them at the feet of Jesus. And whether you live tomorrow or whatever God has for you tomorrow, your hope is for tomorrow is in Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. And he knows what he has planned for you. And what you have planned for you might be a whole lot different than what he's going he's gonna to work out tomorrow. Only tomorrow will tell. Trials. Um, we don't go looking for trials, but trials are necessary. I've heard a lot of a lot of lot of Christians say over the years, "Well, I don't pray for patience." Because I know that patience comes through trials. I understand the logic. You know, if, if, if my patience is going to come through trials, I don't want those trials. But it's, it's in the midst of the trials that you see God work. And that you see... God do amazing things. I, I can remember at one point last year, I looked at what I needed and what I had and all the problems that I thought that I had. And they seemed overwhelming. And I just know like day after day, I just gave them over to the Lord Gave them over to the Lord. Gave them over to the Lord. And I watched as, as my wife and I prayed and we had a refrigerator that wasn't working. And we got a refrigerator that was within our budget that was... More better and more than we could have even imagined, and God provided. And we watched our electric bill bottom out after we got our new refrigerator, and God took care of it when we needed a new refrigerator. And we watched as God provided when we we had a furnace that was wasn't working. And through those trials, uh, you know, I, I looked here and I said, God, I don't know how. You're going to take care of all this. I laid him at his feet. And it was through that that I got to see the grace of God. And so we, we need to acknowledge trials for what they are. When they come, God's going to carry us through. And he's going to, he's going to give us a lot. The Bible has a lot to say about trials. One of those places is Romans chapter 5. Let's look in Romans chapter 5. At the beginning of Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, that was a word we heard tonight, we have peace, there was another word we heard tonight, with God through our Lord 
Jesus Christ. That was another word we heard tonight. So therefore, let's read that verse again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Through whom we also have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has poured out on our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So as we face trials, we learn what true biblical hope is. And true biblical hope, you got to remember verse 5, that true biblical hope does not disappoint. My desire is that as you as a Christian, through this study, you'll, you'll watch your tongue. So that when you use the word hope, you don't use it like the world does. I, boy, I, I hope my car makes it another six months. That's not Romans 5 hope. Romans 5 hope doesn't disappoint you. Guess what? Even your Toyota disappoints you. Right? But does God disappoint you? I hope that I'll get that check in the mail, that rebate. You're not getting that rebate. Um, but God's hope of heaven, that doesn't disappoint you. And how you learn about Christ's hope is through trials. Hope. Remember, if you look in the Old Testament, the word hope was closely related to the word waiting. Patience. The children of Israel, when they were were slaves in Egypt, how long were they slaves in Egypt? Four hundred years. I tried to put that into perspective to children. Four hundred years they were slaves. This country hasn't been around for four hundred years. And just think about how, how long that they had been slaves and what they had to endure. And their hope was in the promises that God had that he was going to deliver, that he had given to Abraham, that he was going to deliver them. And that when they left, they were going to left with the wealth of their captors in their pockets. And they had to wait and endure 400 years. Our hope implies perseverance until eternity. Let's look in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 22, it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, 
even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I, I know um, as we look in the world around us, we, we've read the words of Christ. That as we get closer to the time where he is going to return, uh, he talks about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes in various places and famine and disease. And, and we, we say that we look at a passage like this and we see that all of creation groans like birth pains. And so sometimes when, when we hear about terrible earthquakes or disease or famine, we begin to wonder, hey, is this signaling? Is this some sort of thing that's supposed to remind us that soon the Lord is coming back? And, and I say to your, I, I say, well, this world is groaning for Christ to come back and to set it right. And so if you, if you were to come to me, as, as some people have, and say, what do, you, what do you think about this coronavirus? Do you think that this means that Christ is coming back soon? I say, well, Christ could come tomorrow. Nothing's stopping him. He could, he could be here before the end of today. He could call us home in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, at any moment. And I've believed that for a long time. So has the church for 2,000 years. Almost 2,000 years. And that's okay. And if you were to ask me, I'd say, I think it's like a birth pain. And this earth has been ripe and ready for Christ to, to, to call his church home for a long time. And in his perfect time, the rapture is going to happen. And our faith will be made sight and our hope will be realized. But Christian, we've got to have perseverance. The church has to have perseverance. Port Crane needs, if we're going to be people who are rapture conscious, if we're serving the Lord, we need to persevere until Christ comes back. We're running a race, and we don't know where the finish line is. And we've got to keep on serving, keep on chugging. Until, we, until Christ says, it's your time, we keep on serving him. And think, you think about it, compared to sometimes this life feels like a marathon. But compared to eternity, this is a 200 meter dash. Do you understand what I mean? Eternity is forever. Our journey has only begun. And I know this race seems long and hard. But if we put it into perspective, uh, sometimes I hear kids at the beginning of the year and they've just started soccer practice. And oh man, they come in. Oh, Mr. Wilson, I'm so sore. I had soccer practice last night. And the coach made us run. And we had to run. And we had, you know, kids run all the time. 
And they just run and run and run. But for some reason, when it's soccer practice, all of a sudden their legs hurt and they're like whining about it and everything. And then I'll talk to the coach. I'm like, so how much you make these? I made them run like a mile and a half. What do you think a marathon runner would say to those kids, those young kids? They got, you know, I'm getting ready to run 23 miles and they just did a mile. You know, and I, I just put it, just put it into perspective. God asks us to persevere here on this world. I know, I know from the world's perspective, if I if I'm gonna keep on serving the Lord till I'm Art Eshelman's age, my time's only just begun. I'm sorry, Art, but that's the truth. And I know he's not he's not shy about that. We've got a long ways to go. Uh, keep breathing. That's what he told me earlier today. Keep breathing. But if I guess how long Art and I are going to be friends forever, forever. And so maybe, maybe we get a chance to serve the Lord here together for 20, 30 years. I've known Art for a while, but in eternity, him and I've got hundreds, thousands of years to serve the Lord together. And then it will have just begun. So perseverance here today is worth it. And our hope can help us perseverance. Another thing that gives us hope, let's can stay in the book of Romans. Romans has a lot of hope in it. Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For whatever things were written before, were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Um, if you feel hopeless... Pick up this book and learn something. Learn something about patience and the comfort that God gives. There's hope in this book. You think your circumstances are, are rough? Open up, read Joseph's life. Okay? There you'll find hope. You think that everything's going wrong and, and everything's coming down on you? Read the book of Job. You'll find hope. But that's earthly hope. Read it over in the book in the New Testament. Read about guys like Paul as he's facing persecution. You know, as he's facing persecution and people are ready to stone him, are ready to beat him, he has hope. Look up. Right? Maybe facing persecution now, and I'll help you for today, but my hope's in heaven. You look at guys like Stephen, as people are getting ready to kill him. What's he do? He looks up and he has hope. If you want hope, go to the book. If you think things are bad, go to the book. The Word of God gives you hope. And it's a hope that we have without ceasing. Let's turn over in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 1. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. Paul, at the beginning of most of his epistles, encourages the Christians for what they're doing right. And at the beginning of the book of 1 Thessalonians, he thanks them for their hope. Hope is something that we need to be doing without ceasing, not giving up on hope, just having that hope in front of us all the time. Today, I want we talked about all these things that we, because of Christ, we have his hope for the future. Today I want to leave you that there's one thing in the New Testament. I looked at a few in the Old Testament of things that you shouldn't have hope in. Don't have hope in a king. Don't have hope in an army. Don't have hope in your wealth or your land or all sorts of things in the Old Testament. New Testament, there's one thing don't have hope in. Something that the Old Testament talks about, but it's also something... That the New Testament says you better not have hope in. That comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 17. It says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. I often... We'll hear young guys, and I've had this conversation with a number of them, talk about, you wouldn't believe how much money this basketball player makes, or this baseball player makes, or this football player makes. Mr. Wilson, they make like, they just signed a contract for a hundred million dollars. I'm like, Wonderful. I, I used to say the same thing. I tell him, I used to say the same thing to my dad, except for the numbers were a lot smaller 20 years ago. But it still seemed like a lot of money, and I, I wanted to be like Michael Jordan because that guy's got all the money in the world. If, you're, if your castle is built on green dollar bills, it can be gone just as fast. <laughs> And I, I many a time have pulled out and said, here's an article about guys who made 
millions in sports and have nothing left. 90%, over 90% of the guys who make millions in their sports spend it all. And they don't have to show for it. And so I'll show them examples of guys that made $50 million and now have less money than you or I do. You can go to Hollywood. You can go to investment bankers. I know on television we like to praise these people. But wealth can be gone just like that. Riches can be gone in a moment. But God takes care of those who belong to him. And if your foundation is built on Jesus Christ and you're laying up treasures in heaven, you're heading in the right direction. You're putting your foundation in, in the proper thing. Don't let your, your hope be based on riches. Have a hope that's without ceasing. Let you find your hope in the word of God. Persevere in your hope. When you face trials, use it as an opportunity to learn about hope. You have hope in the resurrection. Guess what? Your hope is up there. And at any moment, Christ might say, okay, your time on it. I'm ready for you. And I just think it would be a blessing if we all, if we weren't. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm looking forward to uh, I'll put a little plug in for the talent show next week. Um, be here because one week from now, right here, there's going to be something neat. It'll, you'll go, I can't believe that. And we'll, that's what we'll be doing right about now next week. If we're here. But if we have to, if the, I've got two plans. One of them is that if the rapture's called us home, praise the Lord. You know, we won't, none of us will be here. That's my first plan is that none of us are here. So please don't make sure that if the rapture happens, you're not here. It's up to you. That's between you and God. Second one is if we're not here, I hope there's a whole new crowd bigger than this. And none of you are in it. And they're here and they're maybe listening to what we talked about tonight. Or they're reading some of the things that you wrote in your Bible that when you're gone and you're in heaven, they're saying, why is Joe gone? Why is Wayne gone? What, what's different about them? And they realize where your hope was. And they come and they, they, they start looking. It's going to be a tough road for them. But they still have hope too. Let's pray. Dear only Father, um, our hope is in Jesus Christ, and I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for promises we find in your word that when the trials come, we can look up. When the we face the storms, we can look up. We have hope in the resurrection. We have hope whether we live or whether we die. 
Help our hope to be in you. And I pray that you might help change our tongues and not use hope as wishful thinking, but as confidence of heaven. Help us to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen.